Well, hi there, listener. You are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio K Pulpit with me, Mark Penrith, your host. And this morning, Tsepo Pitzel is listening in. He is still in Benoni. He is prepping to preach on Sunday. Uh, and so his nose is in books and he is getting his heart and his soul and his mind ready to proclaim the truth to God's word. So Tepo isn't sitting next to me today. Um, but uh, we are both from Crystal Park Baptist Church Benoni where we serve the local church's staff caring for the souls of men and changing the light bulbs like pastors do. Um, shout out to everyone in Benoni, uh, regular guests. I have no doubt that Gogo Hanna is already tuned in and people like Teresa are tuned in. I wonder who you are. Um, really looking forward to engaging with listeners today. Uh, let me tell you how you can engage right up front. Uh, if you are listening to the conversation, we are inviting you to join the conversation. So as I speak to the guests today, please do engage. Send through questions and any comments that you might have on your mind. How, you may ask. Well, we are on Facebook. I have no doubt uh, that uh, in the uh, cockpit, making sure that all the lights are on. Uh, Mpo is busy sorting out our uh, Facebook uh, stream. Uh, it's so great to serve together with you this morning, brother. Uh, Facebook, we are on Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Uh, Radio Pulpit Radio Console. I'm getting my, my languages mixed up there. Uh, you can also engage with us on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is at five, uh, 657am. And we are also on WhatsApp and Telegram, 082-657-2729. Really looking forward to engaging with you during the show today. We have a couple of uh, guests on the show. Uh, we will start by talking about the state of our nation together with Michael Swain. We will bring him on shortly. And then after that, we're going to talk about the state of the church in Africa uh, together with uh, Nico uh, and Joshua. I will introduce them to you in a moment. But let's uh, let's start off by talking to Michael and bringing him online. Michael, brother, are you there today? I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay? I, I I can hear you fine. I, I just want to brag about the weather in Gauteng. It has been raining here for the last uh, couple of days. Our rain comes straight down. <laughs> the rain in Cape Town comes in at like 90 degree angles. And so I, I just want to say I, I think that uh, the weather right now is glorious perfection up here in Gauteng. You're very welcome to enjoy it while you can. <laughs> well, brother, it's good to have you on the line. Always enjoy speaking to Michael. Michael is from uh, an organization called Freedom of Religion South Africa, and he is the executive director. Um, he, You have... Uh, studied uh, law abroad, you've been successful in business, you are a co-founder of a church movement in South Africa, um, and I guess in many ways uh, you make us, the listening audience of Radio Pulpit, as well as myself, aware of what's going on in our country. Uh, you and I I got to uh, speak via WhatsApp uh, last night and this morning. Uh, I see that there are many fires <laughs> that are raging at the moment. Uh, Michael, obviously Easter was closest to my mind, um, and you had something to say about that. Uh, do you want to just fill us in in terms of where we are on that Easter discussion? Well, as your 
listeners may be aware from previous discussions, we've had uh, consultations with the president, and those consultations took place Wednesday last week, in fact. And at those uh, presentations to the president, the almost unanimous view of the uh, religious leaders, the senior religious leaders present from multiple denominations and faiths was that come Easter, uh, 50% of occupancy should be the norm. We should actually be easing the current restrictions because obviously Easter is a very important day uh, in the religious calendar. And it is obviously when we as Christians celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And last year, of course, that wasn't possible because of the very hard lockdown level that we were under level five. But uh, we expected, I think, government to respond positively. However, what we're obviously now seeing are reports coming out that they're actually considering going to an even harder lockdown level. A health minister, uh, Zweli Makizi, uh, said that this is being now considered by government officials, that there have been recommendations uh, from epidemiological experts, as well as business and members of the civil society. And they're saying this is a very vulnerable period when we obviously must be careful not to risk any super spreaders event. And this, of course, is associated with the festivities and activities over the Easter weekend. But I think it's important that we contrast that with the fact that, of course, uh, it's almost like what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Uh, what's good for, 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 for thee is actually not good for me. There have been events in the ANC, for example, in Polokwane, where thousands of people have been present uh, with no masking or social distancing. Um, at the recent court appearance of, of, of uh, Mr. Ace Magashuli in Bloemfontein, thousands of his supporters were present. Uh, at the funeral of the late King Goodwill's Zulatini, Again, thousands of people present, no masking, no social distancing, and yet no also uh, police presence to disrupt or disperse these gatherings. And I think one also has to contrast that, unfortunately, by the fact that, and again, it was raised at the president's meeting, there have been regrettable instances of what can only be described as police brutality. Uh, for example, you may recall a couple of weeks ago, the Unity Fellowship Church had their meeting broken up by literally a small army of police. There were some 30 vehicles, two water cannon, helicopter. Over 40 people were injured with um, rubber bullets and, and um, gas. So, you know, again, this is very, very unhelpful at this stage. Um, but the, the claim is that these recommendations for stricter lockdown uh, will be based as part of a consultation process based upon scientific evidence. So, again, uh, we understand that constitutional rights, particularly the rights to gather, uh, can be limited under this type of pandemic based upon scientific evidence. But what is the scientific evidence? Again, March 21st statistics for South Africa, the high point of infections was 21,000. That's a very serious spike, but they're now down to 510. Um, deaths at the spike uh, were 819, but now uh, on the 21st of March, which is the last figures I have, only five people, uh, for example, in the Western Cape, only 55 nationally, and this despite no hard lockdown, no vaccinations. And so really, when government is speaking now about scientific evidence, it's actually more based upon conjecture. Um, and I think that is the big problem. Why uh, is there this attempt or this push now to effectively be uh, uh, locking down religious activities, particularly uh, over this Easter weekend, uh, when it is not based upon scientific evidence, it is based upon conjecture. And in fact, government has not produced 
any evidence because we've been asking them in our case against the Cogta minister to show what evidence they base their previous restrictions on religious gatherings on. And there is no evidence to show that uh, there are super spreader events that are associated with religious gatherings. So, again, it, it, it is a very problematic situation that we're facing. You know, a couple of weeks ago when you met with the office of the presidency, in fact, when Nadine spoke to the president, I I was so encouraged. She came back with such an encouraging report and really thought we might be making headway towards some kind of uh, equality, (laughs) of uh, recognition between uh, the kinds of regulations that have been placed on churches and the kinds of regulations that have been placed on other sections of the population. Um, And so uh, the rumblings in the news at the moment in terms of, you know, statements that uh, health ministers have been making um, and the kinds of... uh, 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 the the start of a discussion towards further lockdown and possibly before Easter is very troubling um, because it, it certainly will place um, a great burden upon the church in terms of being able to service uh, our members and, and present Christ and take care of the spiritual needs of the people uh, that we are responsible for. Really, really troubling. Th- thanks for highlighting yeah. that, Michael. Well, um, I think, I think yeah. it's probably worthwhile just to follow through with one further thought, and that is, of course, that what we, I think, are starting to hear are, and it's highly unusual because religious leaders, senior religious leaders are typically the most law-abiding, the most respectful of government uh, people that you can find. They are very much aware of the biblical responsibilities that they have towards government. And yet when you hear uh, even senior level leaders starting to consider actually uh, effectively breaking Uh, the lockdown regulations that are imposed. That is a very serious state of affairs. Uh, And again, the the terrible dilemma that should never be placed, which is exactly why we have constitutional protections and why the Constitutional Court has ruled on this, is that they should not be placed before citizens, whether they could in good conscience or must in good conscience obey God rather than man. Because here's the problem, if you obey man, then you potentially are disobeying God with eternal consequences. Whereas, of course, the situation is if you obey God and do what you believe is fair and right and just to do, and you go against government, then you can face temporal uh, consequences. And let's be honest, it's, it's a criminal offense to break these lockdown level regulations. But the problem is, is that I think people are starting to be pushed to really have to consider that very serious um, issue. And I think that that is something which government should and would do well to avoid bringing that kind of a, a kind of a conflict uh, of the soul uh, situation uh, at this time. Certainly would be wise for members of local churches who both love their country and love the pastors which God has placed them under to pray for wisdom both for pastors as they as they make decisions and as they navigate these very tricky waters as well as for our government which quite frankly is I'm sure caught between a rock and a hard place and so yeah, yeah we, we really true. do need to be praying uh, for all parties concerned Michael uh, can you just talk to us about the submission that uh, Freedom of Religion South Africa made uh, regarding section 25 yeah this is like a, 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 a week in the life of 4SA <laughs> we were in Parliament to making a verbal submission on Wednesday onto the proposed amendment to Article 25 of the Constitution, which, of course, deals uh, on the issue of expropriation without compensation. And 
Obviously, at the moment, the Constitution says that the amount of compensation must be fair and equitable. It must show a fair balance between the public interest and the interests of those affected. Uh, and yet the proposed amendment bill says that zero rand would be compensation regarded as fair and equitable. Effectively, it is therefore without compensation. And we very narrowly spoke about the possible impact on the religious sector. And we were arguing that, first of all, the list of qualifications or, or if you like, reasons why land could be expropriated without compensation should be a closed list and not open-ended. Uh, and that secondly, that uh, we propose putting a section into the bill which specifically, if it were to go through it in, in, in its current form, would explicitly state that land owned by uh, and used in connection with the exercise to religious freedom rights would be exempt from the expropriation without compensation. So it was a narrow um, submission, obviously. Uh, we're not politicians. We are simply there to promote and uh, protect religious freedom rights. But uh, we thought it was very important to at least get that on the record. Mm. It's a very emotive issue, of course. And then I also know that on your radar, but maybe like looking out a little bit, is this discussion regarding marriage licenses uh, in South Africa? Yes, and that again is something which we are working on actively. We have done a detailed study of the discussion paper that the South African Law Reform Commission has put out for comment. The comments close on the 17th of May. We are going to be, I think, looking more closely at this and certainly raising it uh, in future. And also there is a marriage policy, a draft marriage policy, which the Department of Home Affairs is also going to be producing sometime in April, we hear, and there'll be a discussion on that open as well. So these are two concurrent processes on very much the same topic. And we certainly do have concerns, particularly surrounding the omission of uh, any protection for, for religious marriage officers for being potentially compelled to solemnize all the marriages which would be continue, uh, obviously covered by the single marriage statute. And we simply do not understand and do not think it is right to leave that omission because if the omission is left in place, in other words, if there is no such protection, then courts may well interpret in future that that was a deliberate act and potentially even compel religious marriage officers to conduct uh, all types of wedding, regardless of whether it goes against their uh, conscience and belief and the tenets of the faith of their organization or denomination. And we think that obviously is, is, is fundamentally wrong. It is a serious erosion of religious freedom. But we're going to be obviously uh, looking at a, a greater level of information and uh, e e even to give the public participation process a, a very good push uh, in the coming weeks and, and days. Michael, you certainly have your plate full. I, I have no doubt that some listeners would have uh, would have kind of keyed in and would be interested to maybe follow up and read more uh, about these issues, whether it be the marriage licensing section 25 um, or, you know, discussions regarding lockdown regulations uh, with government. W where can they find more information about these kinds of things? Well, we're, we're actually super excited because we have literally just launched a new look website and for freedom you, of you, in South Africa. You've got a you got a new logo, and a new logo. I, I just and a new tagged tagline. you on Our tagline. On, I think I, is very appropriate. I just it, tagged it, it, you on Facebook, and it took me like half an hour to figure out if I was tagging the right guys or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for faith and freedom, I think that's a very very good uh, tagline that 
pretty much encapsulates in four words what we stand for. But yes, uh, our new website, same address, of course, uh, www.forsa.org.za. Uh, you can certainly go there. There are lots of uh, information, lots of cases, lots of situations. And very importantly, sign up for our newsletter. We actually just sent out our first quarter newsletter this past week. And uh, there were articles on that about, obviously, our court case against the Cogta minister on lockdown, um, the uh, situation surrounding the Chief Justice and his statements on Israel. Um, we have an article and a video, of course, on the South African Law Reform Commission's uh, single marriage statute, uh, what we're dealing with in, in an area of Natal uh, where a Hindu group has come against uh, Christian churches and leaders and accuse them of hate speech and an update on all the different cases and uh, bills and issues that we're facing. So sign up for the newsletter. And, of course, you can also go to uh, Freedom of Religion SA on our Facebook page, and we keep that pretty much up to date. And there's always something new every day for you there. Well, brother, thank you so much for talking to us. Really appreciate your input. Thank you so much. God bless you, and enjoy the rest of your week. We were speaking to Michael Swain from Freedom of Religion South Africa. Um, always good to talk to him. Listener, at this stage, we are going to begin a discussion about the state of the church in Africa. Uh, and we're going to be talking to Nico van Sale along with Joshua Bologi, uh, who is from Valcom Baptist Church, Nico van Sale being from Birchley Baptist Church, um, but both of them representing an organization called African Pastors conferences uh, and they have a lot of insight in terms of uh, the state of churches in sub-Saharan Africa and even beyond uh, and so we're going to be talking about some of the challenges that churches are facing some of the opportunities that are available uh, to the church with a capital C uh, in uh, South Africa and in neighboring countries and we are going to uh, yeah just enjoy spending the next uh, hour and a bit uh, engaged in aspirational dreaming about what is going on in the church in Africa. Let, let me just say that the church in Africa has always been close to God our Father's heart. Uh, I'm just sitting with a map in front of me right now and recognizing that, that God's word was written on three continents. We sometimes think of the Bible as being a Middle Eastern book written in Israel, but, but it wasn't exclusively uh, written in Israel, nor is it exclusively for Israelites. Uh, the Bible was written in Europe. I mean, just think about Rome, Italy, um, uh, and, and those countries uh, as you cross the, the, the Mediterranean and sea and, and going to Corinth and Athens and all of those uh, European countries. It, it was written in Asia. I mean, when you think of Babylon, you're thinking of Iraq and, and those neighboring countries. Abraham himself was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And it was written in Africa. Um, Moses uh, spent many, many years of his life in Egypt. Um, I, I'm reminded of my favorite church planting church Antioch um, not Antioch Bible Church on the West Rand we're talking about Antioch uh, in Syria uh, in the region of Syria and there there were prophets and teachers we read about them in Acts chapter 13 Barnabas Simon who is called Niger Lucius of Cyrene uh, a man named uh, Menaean a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul um, two of those men at least uh, are 
either African or lived in Africa. Um, Africa is part of the biblical narrative. I, I mean, you think of the book of Acts and you think of that Ethiopian eunuch uh, as he was coming down the road of Palestine and Simon, uh, uh, did I say Simon? I meant to say uh, Stephen the evangelist, running up next to him, hearing him reading from the prophet of Isaiah, uh, explaining the gospel to him, um, sharing the gospel t- with him, uh, him seeing water, saying what's preventing me from being baptized, uh, if he believed in his heart, that Jesus was Lord uh, nothing prevented him from being baptized he was baptized and presumably carried on to uh, establish the church uh, in Ethiopia uh, Africa has always been part of the biblical narrative and praise the Lord it's part of our narrative too (laughs) that the Bible message moved from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then on to all the ends of the earth so that it even reached South Africa (laughs) it reached Gauteng and Northwest Province and saved men like Nico and like Joshua I know that we have Joshua on Skype this morning we have Nico with me in studio and so yeah brother after that kind of introduction and making sure that we've got Joshua with us uh, maybe you can just uh, join the conversation and introduce yourself uh, just uh, give some context in terms of the church that you serve and the people that you serve uh, and then we'll pass the baton on to Joshua and Valcom. Nico first you. Good morning everyone uh, yeah I'm a fellow pastor at, at I'm a fellow pastor at uh, Birchley Baptist Church in Kempton Park. <clears throat> I've been serving there since 2014. Uh, firstly, we worked in a church plant in Tembisa. Um, but one of the big uh, ministries of our church is African Pastors Conferences. Um, I'm the conference manager about almost for five years now with APC. And uh, it's just been a great joy to travel all over Africa. We are focused on training pastors and church leaders across the continent and uh, it's a huge operation and uh, very grateful to be part of 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 APC and the Birchley Baptist Church uh, we're a small church there in Kempton Park and last year we lost uh, uh, our pa- pastor uh, Irving Stegels and he and Errol Hall started the ministry of APC they saw the great need in Africa for theological education and saw the great need there is in on the continent for for good sound teaching so they have many they they had many um contacts in europe with publishers and also in the us so we source we get books from different publishers at low cost and then we sell them at for um a discounted values at the conferences then we get speakers from different countries in africa and then we, we, we have these conferences where we um, teach the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. Nico, we, we were driving we were driving from Benoni. I, I love driving with speakers that are going to be on Radio Pulpit because it, it just gives us time to interact and engage and kind of shoot the breeze. Mm. Um, and uh, while we were driving, you were just saying that uh, Birchley Baptist Church, and you guys are a small church, mm. but you guys have been advertising on Facebook, and you've actually seen people coming to church off the back of Facebook advertising. I, mm. I got like all excited about that because I'm big on digital engagement, mm. and the idea that you guys are on Facebook and are winning on that medium um, 
kind of excited me. Um, yeah, just uh, are you seeing people visiting the church since the lifting of lockdown? Are you excited? Are, are you seeing? Are you seeing opportunities for the gospel even in the midst of this present struggle? Yeah, I think it's you know, obviously from last year when lockdown hit us, um, people were afraid to go come back to church after the restrictions were lifted. I think it was in June. And so we've been struggling, and I think many churches have been struggling. But there's also, uh, it's interesting, since lockdown, uh, we, we basically went audio and digital, or, or you know, services, uh, streaming services, yeah. Bible studies, prayer meetings online. And we've, more members are now uh, connecting with us because of lockdown, because Usually they were so far away they couldn't come to the prayer meeting, but now we have audio calls, yes. prayer meeting, and they now faithfully attending Bible studies and um, and prayer meetings, which is yeah. very encouraging. So, so there there was an opportunity. Yeah. Yes. So. You, you know, sometimes we think that this world, this digital world, belongs to big churches with big budgets. Um, I get really excited when I hear of smaller churches, churches like Crystal Park, churches like Birchley Baptist winning in that digital space. So that, that just like excites me. Mm-hmm. We're about to bring uh, Joshua uh, onto the into the conversation. Before I do, let me just say, Roland Eskenazi is the first person to comment on the show today. Uh, Mpo, we need like one of those little drum rolls or something like that uh, to celebrate uh, 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 comments. Uh, Roland says, glad to hear this topic, Mark. A great debt is owed to Errol Hulser and Irving Steggles, who labored much to spread sound theology uh, amongst pastors uh, through the APC. Thank you so much for your comment, Roland. Really appreciate it. Um, And uh, other listeners, looking forward to hearing from you. Well done. First applause. Um, Great to hear from you. Um, Joshua, are you there, bud? Good morning, bro. Hey, my friend. It's so good to hear your voice. (laughs) <laughs> and it's good. it's good to see you. And, and it's good to hear your laugh. You know what? You're seeing me, but I'm not seeing you, which kind of sucks. I, I I love to see that 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 uh, that smiling face of uh, of my friend uh, uh, down in Valcom. Um, may, maybe you yeah. want to just introduce yourself, introduce the ministry that you're in, um, and so that we can start the discussion. Yeah, sure. Um, so. I'm married to a lovely lady called Esther. We've got four children um, between the ages of seven and 15. And um, born in Lagos, Nigeria, lived there to the age of six, moved over to the UK, um, lived in West London all my life till we came here in 2004 to 2008, which is our first time in South Africa. Then went back home to England. And then um, Welcome Baptist Chapel at the call out. And then um, we came flying back to Velcon because it's God's city is where God's throne is. And um, here we are. So <laughs> it's it's, it's God's city. It's where God's throne is. I think we're probably going to need to have a little bit of a, dis- a theological discussion in terms of the presence uh, of God and the present work of God. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're so, excited uh, about the city that you serve. Hmm. No, I love, I've come to love Welcome. Let me put it that way. Um, and it'd be this June. It'd be ten years since I've been serving at Welcome Baptist, and um, it was a. Uh, it's been around. In fact, last year we celebrated seventy years, and um, it's uh, it's it's grown over the time. Praise God, 
And um, we are a small church as well, like yourself, small congregation, and about 120 or so on a Sunday. And um, we thank God for His faithfulness. Hey, describe describe what Welcome Baptist Church looks like. Uh, I mean, what do, what do the people look like? What do the people sound like? What is a what does a Sunday service feel like? Well, um, again, really thankful for the people. Like I said, a motley crew of people God has gathered together here. And only God in his humor could have done such because um, we've got people from Mozambique, Nigeria, U.S., Brazil, well, we have Brazilians, um, from all over, and of all different pigmentation as well, of all, from, from babies to 90, 95 years of age, 96 years of age, actually, let me get that right. Um, it's, it's a church with a, an amazing spectrum of people. Mm. And um, people, who, and some of the members have been here for 30, 40 years, and up to people who just recently joined us through the lockdown. Um, and we're thankful to the Lord for 70 years of, of faithfulness, of His steadfast love. Hey, I just want to draw out what you said um, in your last statement a little bit, Joshua, because Nico indicated it. uh, We've certainly experienced it at Crystal Park Baptist Church, and that's uh, a large number of visitors um, at Crystal Park Baptist Church over the last over the last year. And uh, in this year, uh, we're talking 2021 since January, more visitors than we've ever had before. It seems as if um, people in our city at least are, are hungry for the gospel. Uh, it seems as if people uh, people want to engage with spiritual things. We're, we're meeting with lots of people who don't know Jesus but would like to meet God. And so we, we've got so many opportunities for the gospel right now um, you mentioned that you have uh, you know people that have joined you uh, since uh, since lockdown uh, have you found a number of visitors coming into Welcome Baptist Church over this period not a massive amount um, I have to be honest but we have had um, several um, couples join us um, not as much as I mean actually tell a lie the conversations are there, and I agree with you. There's the, what's the point of life, um, spirituality, and all of these things. Those conversations are there in community as I go around um, and interact with people. But as far as um, Welcome Baptist Church, it's possibly, I think, about is it five or six people we've seen join us and um, actually being very faithful in coming and attending. So, um, yeah, we have that. Cool. Brother, you know, when I put you and Nico together for this morning show, I actually, uh, I spent some of this, some time this week planning out the next kind of uh, four months of shows till the end of uh, June. And uh, and I was going through my my list of of folk that I wanted to speak to and and I I hit your face and I smiled my heart was encouraged I was like I want to speak to Joshua there were so many things I could talk to Joshua about <laughs> you know I was I was thinking of maybe talking about the local church I was thinking about maybe talking about the work that you do at Morning Star uh, there were like so many things that were going through my mind uh, and then I I saw Nico um, I was looking at a at a list of solo five pastors I saw Nico 
Mako. I made the connection to APC. I, I knew that you were passionate about APC because you, you had spoken to me about it a number of times, the African Pastors Conferences. Uh, and so uh, I contacted you both, asked if you would come on. As Nico and I were driving here this morning, he says, hey, you are the newly appointed director for African Pastor Conferences in South Africa. Now, you probably told me that, but I missed that. Um, what does a director of an organization like African Pastor Conferences do? What, what do you do, brother? Are you kind of like the chief evangelist? Uh, uh, <laughs> what is your role? And, and, and what do you kind of do on behalf of these conferences? And, and I also need you to describe a conference to me. Um, and as you describe that, that'll help the listeners to understand what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so, in fact, Nick has been very naughty. I am the executive director. Oh, there um, you go. The executive <laughs> director. That's pretty. That's pretty important. <laughs> Honestly, um, we need to have words, Nico. Um, <laughs> now, um, joking aside, it's the reason why I, I stress that is because um, it's not. First of all, it's a privileged role. Honestly. I'm humbled to have been invited to do this by the directors. Um, we've got two from the US, two from Zambia, one from Kenya, one from the UK, and myself here in South Africa, um, including people like Thomas Wynn and Conrad in Bearway, um, Oliver, um, Abner Smith, and people like this on the board. So it's, it's, it's an amazing group of men. Um, we've got um, Marungi Ngueta in Kenya as well. So we're very thankful for the people that God has providentially uh, put together so I'm, I'm the link between the the staff team of APC and the directors so in a sense I don't want to humbly saying um, stepping into um, Pastor Irvin's shoes which are massive and trying to oversee what the staff are doing at the same time communicate that to directors and then um, vice versa as well um, so that that was um, a massive honor to have um, assumed that role. And it involves not just um, direction, but also um, being hands-on with um, Nico, who's the APC manager, and the rest of the staff members in what they're doing. Now, I'm not as, as much involved in order travel, but I, I do manage runs, and, and one of the preachers on there, as Nico, is as well so um, the job involves um, planning the year um, planning speakers um, choosing the theme for the year and the individual talks um, on each conference so a typical conference would be roughly two days long sometimes they're one day but most of them are two days um, ten sessions none of the sessions are teaching sessions the last one is usually question and answer and then um, it would usually be around something to do with the local church pastor roles and so on. And um, we're, we're actually expanding that as well. And um, Nick, well, well, hang on. Be, be, before we before we leave that, let, let me just ask you a couple of questions. So, so uh, you know, over the last uh, couple of months, uh, I'm assuming you've you've either done a, a few conferences or you are planning on doing a few conferences where are the kinds of places that you run these conferences 
Nico, you want to jump in there, mate? Yeah, sure. Um, so last year we had the first time, I don't know how long, we had to cancel six six months of conferences. We started online in in, Oct- in, in September. We did a few online WhatsApp conferences, but then the lockdown uh, uh, was lifted and so we could gather again. So 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 we actually, since lockdown uh, was lifted in, 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 in September, um, we did five conferences in South Africa. Most of our conferences we do in South Africa, about 20 of this 50, 60 we do in a year. Oh, okay. We do about 50, 60 a year. And we work in about 11, 12 countries, all sub-Saharan African countries. And uh, so October and November we did eight conferences in South Africa, Eastern Cape, KZN, um, Bluefontein, and then January, February, we were planning to do five, seven conferences in South Africa. We had to sh- move them to March and April. So in, in March, we started again when lockdown was lifted. We did four in KZN. And uh, now we're planning to do five in South Africa. And welcome, we're going to welcome in Gauteng, Fuen, Hillcrest, Newcastle, and uh, Mokopane. And then we're going to do four in Malawi. First time out of the country since the lockdown. So we're hoping, we pray that we'll be able to go. So we'll do a dual run, a dual yes. run in April. Yeah. Okay, mm. so I mean, we're talking about a, a large geographic area, um, uh, you know, uh, that you guys are covering. You're doing uh, 60 conferences in a year. Uh, how many people are, are engaged in these activities? How many speakers do you have? How, how, how many people kind of administer getting all of this done? It's mainly Joshua and I who set up the conferences. Mainly I, but, but, but Joshua is basically uh, getting the, uh, the speakers, choosing the speakers or consultation with the team as well. So <clears throat> most of our speakers uh, come from Zambia because uh, we, we are a reform ministry and... Uh, so the 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 Reform Baptist movement is very strong in 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 Zambia, brother. I've been there, and, and it's uh, eye opening. I mean, those guys are yeah. those guys are cooking. We have such great speakers in Zambia, yes. and uh, we use many of them. Also in Kenya, there's been a resurgence in uh, sound doctrine there in, uh, Ken in Kenya. Mbugwe is from Kenya? Yes, and uh, Murungi, Barnabas, Olare, Eli mm. Olare, they yes. were in the prosperity gospel and they got out and they were transformed and they're training loads of people there in Kenya as well. Great speakers And just as well. some of the names from Zambia would uh, include Conrad and Bewe. Conrad and Bewe, Ronald, Ronald Kalafungwa, uh, Chuwe and Tetwa, yes. Michael Bembia, Isaac Makishini. These are great uh, men. Great, great guys, yeah. yes. So we we use them. We also use speakers from the UK and the US yes. because we a lot of our conferences are sponsored from the US individuals and churches, also from the UK. We seek more churches to sponsor our conferences in South Africa. So if anybody listening wants to get involved in APC, you can a church can adopt a conference and mm. then um, sponsor a conference. So we get a lot of speakers from from the US. They fly in or UK and some South African speakers as well. We use South Africans also as, as speakers. Yeah. You know, we've got a number of people listening in, uh, including Jean, uh, Ishwa, uh, along with uh, Jim from Belfort. It's wonderful to have you guys in. Uh, everybody's expressing interest in the topic. Uh, looking forward to to hearing some of the challenges and opportunities that churches are facing. Um, 
uh, let's just go back to Joshua. Joshua, where are the kinds of places, brother? Because I, I know you and I have been talking for a long time, and every time we talk, one of your kind of key areas of excitement is when you've been involved in an APC conference. Where are the kinds of places that you've spoken to uh, uh, with APC conferences? Well, um, so from Nigeria to um, Malawi, Zambia, um, Botswana, Swaziland, or East Swatini, um, yeah, um, Uganda, yeah, a few, those are a few I, I can remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's, you're right, um, APC gets me buzzing. APC is just in my heart, and the church here, Belkin Baptist, I've just bought into it. Um, in fact, so I arrived at Belkin Baptist in 2011, um, but prior to my arrival, They'd already hosted, I think, about two conferences or three before I got here. Um, Ron, people like Ron Adams and and that um, Marvin O'Donovan were able to connect with APC um, through the relationship with um, Pastor Irvin Steggles. But when I arrived there and I um, experienced the first one in 2012, I was just sold because it ties in with where my own heart lies. Um, like I said, I left my Nigeria in all six. And my plan actually was to return to Nigeria, um, hence being back on this continent. My heart is for this continent um, as far as the gospel goes because of personal experience, my own church background, and what I've seen largely in Lagos, um, which you know we'll talk about later. You know, I'll leave that to you when you bring that in. But a lot of the errors and abuse and so on. So my heart's always been to come back here because of the um, the question that this our radio interview is trying to discuss. So when I saw APC and their approach to dealing with uh, these issues it, for me it was a no-brainer. No and we got we bought into that and as a church we bought into that and since 2016 um, I've had the privilege of being one of the preachers um, but more than that um and I think Nico can vouch for this. Was uh, you know was a case of guys. All right, I've done one run for you. Um, whatever other run you want to, me to do, you know, sold on to this, and that went on to managing runs for APC and to my current um, role for APC right now, because the need is great. And I think it was Mukanyo Theological College, um, um, which I'm on the board for them as well, is. I discovered a statistic that showed there's roughly at least 2 million pastors on this continent and less than 10% have any kind of formal training or sound training and that gives you a good picture of the you know the problem before us and probably answers a lot of questions as to why we see a lot of the things that we see happening so for me the African Pastors Conference Role and um, vision and mission is was just you know to me tick those boxes, and jumping on something Nico mentioned earlier on, one of the things we we would hope um, this interview does this morning is to connect a lot of people who are not familiar with APC or the work of the APC, um, you know to, to 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 know about this, and you know partner with us, um, help us because the the need is great, the need is really great. You, you're talking about the need. Uh, I, 
I woke up this morning and went and looked at kind of like the trajectory of Christianity in the world or the the the, the perceived or the predicted but not from a kind of like a a weird projection but 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 rather plotted uh, trajectory of Christianity in the world uh, it is said that 10 countries with the largest Christian populations um, in 2060 uh, will be found uh, six of them will be found in Africa um, and those countries include Nigeria with a massive Christian population of 174 million souls uh, Congo with 160 million souls Tanzania 117 million souls Uganda 96 million souls Kenya 91 million souls uh, Ethiopia 87 million souls and the the percentages of those of those countries projected to be Christian range between 57 uh, all the way up to 95% of of those countries will be projected to be Christian Christianized by 2060 a- and yet i guess the fear for a reformed baptist or uh, the doctrines of grace holding baptist uh, in south africa um the concern is is not so much how wide Christi- the christian message is going um but really how deep that message is what people are actually truly putting their faith and trust in uh, what they are understanding um about the person of christ and the work of christ how they are exposed uh, to God's word, and and it really it raises a couple of flags in terms of some of the challenges that the church is facing on the African continent. I'm guessing that Joshua, yourself, and Nico can begin to just talk about just some of the challenges that you are seeing either uh, firsthand or that you are seeing um, uh, uh, in terms of your discussion with many of the speakers that you are engaged with uh, on the African continent. Let me start with you and bring you in, Nico, and just, uh, yeah, what are some of the challenges that the church is facing uh, in Africa? Yes, um, Mark, um, yeah, it's rightly said, I think, or proposed that, um, according to data, that Africa is actually the most Christian continent in the world. But according to Operation World, other other uh, figures that we get from the internet, but the, the Christianity is very shallow in, in many respects because it has... It has um, it's either a false form of Christianity like the Word of Faith movement and the Prosperity Gospel or it's something that we call syncretism. It's a mixture of tribal tribalism and um, um, animism and Christianity uh, or it's uh, a false form of this understanding of the Gospel. So I think in, in our interactions we find a lot of people you know at conferences that we speak to and what we find is i think i think the one of the biggest thing biggest errors there are um well the one of the biggest errors there is in the church in africa is the prosperity gospel and uh, especially in nigeria but not only in south africa everywhere um you know jesus is only there to 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 bless you to give you wealth and health and prosperity that's why jesus come to jesus because he will give you all that you want and uh, unfortunately that that is that has been exported from america uh, the prosperity gospel but it is 
taken root in Africa uh, to, a, to a large extent and, and with that is new age theology you can almost say and because that's the word of faith move in prosperity gospel they mix actually a new age new age um, religion and Christianity uh, you can speak things into existence you know yeah. kind of and uh, you you become you know a Christ that kind of theology and link not all prosperity gospel guys preach that but many of the leaders they do preach that so we find in many churches people have because they have no theological training because like uh, uh, Joshua said many people have never gone to seminary we find people that are pastoring churches that have no understanding of the scriptures they take things out of context and I think one of the biggest problems is uh, a, f a failure to interpret scriptures and and that's why uh, theological education is so important and just in my communication with different people at different conferences I see I've seen ministries changed and I've, I've, we've got testimonies on our website, on our YouTube channel, uh, of of pastors that have been prosperity preachers who've been changed by the gospel, which is which is so wonderful to hear. Um, so There's a pastor in 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 Durban. We have a testimony there, it's, and through the work of APC and the consistency, coming every year to the same area hearing the same message from different speakers the biblical the bible being expounded verse by verse and they've just been changed um so which is so important i'm so there are more, more to say but the prosperity gospel many pastors many churches have fallen into that era in in africa mm. well brother you, you raise some issues that we are going to talk about after the break we're gonna we're gonna touch on what is the prosperity gospel what is the danger of the prosperity gospel um, and and we're gonna touch on some of the testimonies that both you and Joshua have uh, been exposed to in terms of pastors um, both coming to deep convictions of the truths of the gospel and the ability to uh, to talk that out uh, we're going to talk about some of the uh, the ways that we see God moving uh, on our continent and the opportunities that we see for the future um, but we have come up to the hour it is 10 o'clock I can't believe how fast time goes it is 10 o'clock we are going to have a short musical in uh, interlude and uh, and pay for the lights uh, we are going to listen to Freddie Vessels singing Great Love. Well, listener, it is wonderful to have you with us for the second hour of Table Talk this Friday. Uh, we will continue with the topic that we've been speaking about between 9 and 10, which really is the state of the church in Africa. Uh, I'm reminded, because we're coming up for Easter and the gospel is near to mind, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 24 as he's speaking to his disciples. He, he says to them that the Messiah would suffer, and this is really the gospel, that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem uh, I, I'm reminded that in the book of Acts Luke continues uh, his story and he's 
blockbuster sequel uh, to the Gospel of Luke. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples that you will be my witnesses. Literally, you'll be my, my martyrs. I mean, it's rightly translated as witnesses, but the Greek word is, is where we get the English word martyrs from. You'll be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to all the ends of the earth. The Gospel has come to African shores. It's come to South Africa. It's come to Gauteng and to Benoni and to Birchley and to Valcom, the folk that I'm speaking to uh, this morning. Um, and it is pushing up. Uh, it, it's pushing up even from South Africa, use God using us as a platform. It is moving up north um, where it is taking root. Uh, we've heard testimony of the church in Zambia, the church in Kenya, um, and how God is raising a standard, raising a flag uh, in those countries that he might be glorified. It, it really does get me excited. But at the same time, I mean, let's face it, Africa faces challenges and the church in Africa faces challenges too. We might be quick to run to, uh, you know, financial constraints that the church does have, both in our country and in neighboring African countries. But, but really, the challenges boil down to, in terms of the gospel, uh, spiritual concerns. Just before the break, we started to speak about a couple of the concerns. I, I think either Nico or uh, Joshua uh, raised the concerns of the prosperity gospel, the concerns of uh, syncretism, the concerns of uh, the liberal uh, gospel. And I just want to draw those out as we start our second hour, just draw them out slightly, uh, really putting on the table what are the challenges that the church faces in Africa. Nico, um, maybe you just want to talk a little bit more about the prosperity gospel as we started speaking about it before the break. Yes, um, you know, the prosperity gospel um, is a false gospel because Jesus is not the center of the gospel. It is other things. We use Jesus to get stuff or things, and Jesus is not the ultimate treasure of, of the gospel, of, of, of the faith. So and and that that we see and I think one of the reasons um, it's such a problem is because Africa is the poorest country in the world. Is this this is the fact? And there are so much poverty in Africa. So everybody wants to get out of poverty if they and and it's a it's a real problem in Africa. I mean, uh, Chuin Tetua wrote a book. Why is mm. Africa poor? This is a complicated issue. There are many reasons. Why Africa is so poor, corruption and mismanagement of resources and many things. And that's why the prosperity gospel is so appealing to many people because um, we want to have a better life. We want to have, you know, um, better jobs and so on, better health care. So now, so preachers come in and they, they promise people uh, material wealth or health. Uh, divine health or success and th therefore those three things mainly um, uh, uh, is what is being preached and Jesus is then used as a means to get there so Jesus and Christ and forgiveness of sins and repentance of sin and escaping from the wrath of God and the judgment of God is not the center of the gospel and that's why many preachers you see that preach the prosperity gospel, they don't call people to repentance. They call people to have a, a successful life. And Jesus is then the means to get there. So Jesus is just, a, a, you, you go forward to receive Jesus so that at the end you will become successful, healthy, 
or prosperous and that they therefore that's a false gospel it's not the biblical gospel because jesus calls us to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him and that means suffering even if jesus don't heal me of my sicknesses even if jesus keeps me poor i will still follow jesus because he's worth it and uh, and therefore um the prosperity gospel is a is a huge problem all over Africa, and that is a false gospel. So some people they think they are Christians, but they've actually just embraced a false gospel. It's almost like Islam. They they believe that Jesus is a prophet. They believe Jesus very highly of Jesus, but they don't believe him as the savior of sin mm. and savior of from the wrath to come, uh, God's judgment to come. So they've actually embraced a false gospel, and therefore. And you know, three years ago, we did a conference run on the doctrine of salvation. And mainly, we the whole year we did, uh, 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 you know, wh- what does it mean to be saved? What is adoption, sanctification, glorification? Uh, why do we need to be saved? And, and topics like that. And with the whole year, we went all through Africa, um, preaching the true gospel, and 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 basically, um, you know, exposing the f- the prosperity gospel for what it is, and. Uh, it was it, it 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 caused quite a stir all over, but I think people need to get back to the true gospel, and that that that's one of the great needs in Africa. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, just a number of of users are are uh, users. A number of listeners are are coming in uh, right now on different platforms. Uh, I just want to point out that Jennifer. Um, uh, has reached out and asked for information about Birchley Baptist. She's planning on moving uh, 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 into the East Rand and would be interested to find out more information. You can engage with her on Facebook. Um, great to have you listening to us, uh, Jennifer. Thank you so much for commenting. Uh, Glenn, um, a regular listener, it's really cool to speak to you. Glenn Williams from Mukanya Theological College says that he wrote a postgraduate paper on this in 2017 and since then often points out to people um, and he's paraphrasing from his pe- from his paper now that one of the ironies of the prosperity gospel is that although many of its teachers seem to be wealthy it does not result in prosperity for most of its followers that Africa is still one of the poorest regions in the world despite the proliferation of the prosperity gospel a staggering statistic is that sub-Saharan Africa where the churches have shown considerable growth is the only region in the world where poverty has increased in the last 25 years thanks for that uh, input Glenn really appreciate uh, uh, you engaging Uh, love you brother uh, Joshua, maybe over to you. You're from Nigeria. Let's talk yeah. about the prosperity <laughs> gospel. <laughs> well, can I, can I just step back one moment, um, please, Mark? Yeah, if sure. Possible. Yeah. Um, Nico has touched on some stuff and what Glenn said as well now. Look, the reason why the guy at the top um, is rich and the wealth does not trickle down to the followers or the members of the churches is because... It's a spiritual multi-level marketing scam. It's um, it's a pyramid scheme, a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And only the guys at the top win. Yeah. And uh, you, you know me by now, Mark. I I'm a bit blunt because people need to hear this, and we need to stop couching some of these things that are dangerous, heretical, um, robbing people of true life, um, wreck, shipwrecking people's faith. Mm. and couching it in nice words just ain't going to do it um, but I, I mean looking at the the issues 
on this continent with the churches I've categorized into three um, under three headings doctrine, finance and church planting model mm. and that involves what um, Nicholas talked about about syncretism um, and you know superstition new age magic God is a genie um, God you'll see many young people sitting in churches fasting and praying but will not go out there and start you know get involved in an entrepreneurial venture um, will not get out there to learn how to do business properly or go to a business seminar but will sit down in a church day and night fasting and that please don't misunderstand me I'm not saying praying and fasting is wrong it's not right but they, that's what they do and they listen to prosperity from the pulpit instead of a prophetic message from the pulpit and when I say prophetic I mean in the right understanding of the word prophetic then a sound teaching of the word from the pulpit they'll be listening to how to get rich but it's really how to get rich is to give more money to the pastor and um, they're broke no answer no practical guidance to how to you know, multiply by selling tomatoes on the side of the street if that's where you're going to start and how to build up from there so these are some of the things you, you see happening so like Nico said syncretism word of faith is a, word of faith is a terrible terrible um, theology and then also I'd add to that um, ecclesiology how church is done yes. it's a true, massive true, problem draw that out because I, I, I see that so so often that mm. solid sound wholesome biblically yeah. uh, winsome joyful healthy strong I'm repeating myself churches um, often have an ecclesiology underneath them and by ecclesiology I mean we're just talking a, a big Christianized word that really means a, a doctrine of the church how the church uh, is is modeled what the church looks like what leadership looks like how decisions are taken um, how do you see that working out um, uh, on the African continent so what's gone wonky um, as you engage uh, with pastors at conferences you, I mean on that top, for example ecclesiology so give one illustration it, it's a family inheritance thing so this Mr. and Mrs. Pastor and should that pastor step down then the son or the daughter takes over um, nothing biblical about that model at all that's yeah. just a short brief example there and others as to the weight given to the word of God or the centrality of the word of God um, and then the songs that are sung um, it becomes a a day club rather than a nightclub just taking a nightclub scene and put putting it in the garb of Sunday dressing for Sunday morning so it's, it's a big jiving session um, rather than a worship you know and then you know, it's about personalities rather than about the glory of Christ. And I can go on. Those are just brief examples. Um, and, and another big one, Mark, um, Nico would agree with this, is worldview. Worldview. And the importance of that in people, because when I engage with certain people, you realize your starting point is just from different planets. You're not on the same planet. And what, how... The importance of um, what we believe should speak into people should be cohabiting your f finance and all of this and that it speaks to all areas of life you know all facets of life 
it's not it's there's such it's a silent mentality where it's broken down to this is Sunday morning and then this is what I do here when I it, the importance of having a biblical worldview is just something that um you don't see much of in many of the churches and people we engage with and um so those, those are the kind of areas that are massive massive problem um finance where um churches are struggling financially um good pastors people who mean well but pastors are poor struggling in how to make ends meet that's another issue and then church planting model is more like a personal venture rather than we're taking the worship of jesus to where there's no worship of jesus you know having that mindset is rather how can i increase my income so let me have <laughs> you, you could be you know you could be reading right now uh, the Facebook comments. Uh, Glenn literally wrote a few minutes ago, Prosperity pastors also plant churches for the wrong reasons. Instead of being for the salvation from sin of the lost, it is about being able to accumulate more wealth and fame as the yeah. churches fill up. Um, and it fits well with the big man mindset um, yeah. and uh, power positions of leadership um, mm. where folk are highly honored and yet are not honoring the name of Christ. You know, it's very interesting. Over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to have a number of people coming in uh, on Fridays to address these kinds of issues, uh, including Marco and uh, Sia, uh, who are both planting churches into township environments. They're going to be coming and talking about township reformation. Uh, we've got uh, Jeff Gage coming in to talk about how to draw biblical principles from God's words and the kinds of tools which which we use in order to do that well uh, we've got uh, uh, Lance Lawton uh, who is the coordinator for the Baptist Northern Association he's coming in to talk about good elders and how they are rarer than hen's teeth and I'm hoping he's going to give us some positive ways on how to raise them or how to pray for them um, and then uh, we also will be having Tommy who's coming in to talk about um, the, the marks of a healthy church uh, we'll probably be talking about church discipline um, and uh, either evangelism or conversion and, and what that actually looks like but a number of the topics that we'll be speaking of in the weeks to come uh, will revolve around some of the issues that you've raised but guys come on it's not all problems right I mean, there, there are there are some amazing stories of transformation and growth, and uh, I mean the kinds of things that gets you excited about what you do, Joshua. Um, t tell me just some of the some of the transformational stories that you've seen uh, as you've been involved in working with the church uh, further up north and in South Africa. Oh yeah, um, you're right. It's not all bad. There's good things happening. I mean. Shout out to some of my brothers, guys I met in the past couple of years, Reformed Brothers in Nigeria, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, you know, people like that on the ground doing great work. Um, Nika knows all the guys in Kenya, Zambia, what have you. There's good things happening. But also, with regards to the delegates that we meet at the conferences, let me give you two, two stories. Um, one um, involved a pastor who was head of a fraternity of about 60 plus uh, members and he came um, late on one of the conferences on the first day now because he's in charge of that um, fraternity he told most of the guys don't bother going let me go and check this nonsense out and see what's going on 
So he arrived. So it was the second day, beginning of the second day. He arrived and he sat there and he listened. And at the end of the day, um, we gave him a lift home. And on the way, this man confessed and said, told us why he stopped the other pastors coming. But then he said this, he said, when you guys opened up the text and you're preaching for one solid hour, because our sessions are one hour long, you're preaching for one solid hour on one verse and expounding and not, and not repeating and repeating yourself or just shouting or screaming. And from that one verse, you've expanded so much in such great depth and meat. He said, it's something strange to us. And, and he went and we asked him, what, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, we, we get up on a Sunday morning, you know, we dance and shout and scream for two hours. Then we'll preach for 15 minutes. And then, you know, you know, close the Bible and do some more dancing and jiving. And that's it. So to watch you guys do that, it's just like, and, and, and the next year, the following year, a lot of those pastors from the fraternity actually attended the conference. And then another one, which was a baptism of fire for me, was in Zambia, a place called Mazabuka. Um, lovely place. We're hosted by um, Pastor Banda, Raphael Banda, and his congregation. Lovely people. And it was a tough conference. And um, I remember at the end of it, instead of you know, it was challenging for the delegates because it was a blown the nose to them on a lot of things they were doing. But they were very gracious. And at the end, a lot of the guys came forward asking how they can get theological training. But one couple in particular struck me. And to this day, I always use this example because it's, it, it touches on the, on the importance of the need to equip people to interpret scripture to handle scripture rightly and that's the key because the moment a person learns how to handle the word of God rightly it's hard to go back to the error you are coming from and here's what they said it was a, it was a man and a woman, a couple and they came with tears in their eyes brother, with tears in their eyes and it makes me emotional every time I remember it because they were crying and they said to me they said, pastor can you show us how to do this? And I said, do what? They said, how is it the way you open up the Bible and you, all the stuff you get from it? How do you do that? So they didn't just want information from us from the sessions. They also wanted to know how to open up the scriptures and how to dig deep. And I let them realize, listen, I'm not a seminary trained person myself. I've, I've just read good guys over the years of past to going three decades and um, undergone good training um, courses and so on but it, it's there for anyone to learn and they can learn it too and it was so interesting that there was such a passion and a hunger in them to learn how to um, study the Bible rightly, to handle it rightly but also to teach it and then the next question, the group started forming around them as was standing there was how do we rectify the errors of the past you know, the things we've taught in the past, you know, that we realize is wrong. How do we go back and rectify that? So there are those kind of examples, those kind of stories that warms your heart. And there's another guy as well who 
emailed me twice to say, I'm teaching through the Gospel of John. And they're actually enjoying it. Because <laughs> he thought, no way would anyone enjoy preaching that way. And he got one of the um, Bible Speaks Today commentary on John, which, you know, and and because I, I said to them, you can just use one of those as a guide. So he went from John chapter 1, verse 1, and he was teaching systematically through um, the Gospel of John. And he, and he sent me an email just to let me know, and this was about eight months later, that he's doing this, and amazing things are happening. So there, there are wonderful, heartwarming stories going on. Yeah. God's word is like a lion yes. um, and too often we cage it right we, 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 we kind of protect people from God's word as if overexposure to God's word will make them sick and yet really it, it is a cure it, it is a balm it, it is medicine to the soul and it introduces us to the person of Jesus Christ who is most beautiful when we start proclaiming him from our pulpits when we start reading God's word in our families really uh, the the, the word of God starts to transform us it's the most amazing things it doesn't surprise me when I hear uh, stories like that Nico uh, you know just to pass the baton on to you brother as you kind of go around uh, to to countries you mentioned like Uganda and you mentioned or was that uh, uh, Joshua but you mentioned a, a number of countries when, when you're going around to countries uh, what what strikes you just in terms of uh, of the the benefit and the and the way that God is glorified as the church pushes out uh, and 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 holds the banner high. Yeah, man, it's so encouraging. We we usually after a conference run, uh, we do like four or five conferences on a run. We come back. Um, we I I have the privilege uh, of of we uh, of of compiling a report, and at our conferences usually afterwards we have like feedback forms. We've introduced it about three years ago, and then they give us feedback on what was good about the conference, what did they like, what they did not like, and so on. And it's, I must say, going through those comments is hard work to go through them, but it's so encouraging many times. Okay, sometimes you get negative feedback, but uh, uh, the positive feedback we get, I'm thinking every time of, of King Williamson, I've been there five times twice as a speaker it's done in the eastern cape eastern right? cape yeah. Williams. So we have a great conference there and i've 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 built relationships with some of those guys they are so excited yeah. that this is like the high point of them in their church calendar that conference because we bring new speakers new topics but the books and uh, i remember you know sometimes people come we we usually start nine o'clock we open eight o'clock we come with our books some people are there early and they're trying to get the the books you know because we usually bring about 400 to 600 books from different publishers and so on and these these guys are i remember there was one guy two years ago we did a, a um um i think the theme was uh, uh on um the the features of the biblical church and this guy we usually have a q and a session he was so antagonistic he was against because sometimes we you know, Q&A, people ask questions, we answer them, and they don't always like the answer, but we always just, you know, give the answers from the Bible. What does the Bible say? And this this individual was antagonistic. He was, he was against what we were saying. But, you know, the next year he came, I remember, and, and last year as well, his demeanor completely changed. He was so different. And I spoke to him for a while, and... 
you know, it, 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 it's amazing how you know, some people come to our conferences and they they try to uh, cause trouble. You can almost say, but then you see over a few years people change completely, and uh, that was so encouraging. We have a pastor in in Durban. I told you about his ministry changed because of APC. He became biblical in his understanding of the gospel. Uh, but sometimes that also has a negative effect on the congregation because he used to preach the prosperity gospel, but then half of his congregation he, he repented and he he started preaching the true gospel, and half of his congregation left him. But um, and then sometimes that happens because that's just because he was now preaching the truth, but it transformed him, and eventually, um, you know, although his church, um, you know, not as many people came anymore. It transformed his life. And I remember Mokapane, um, 2018, I think it's the first time we did a conference there. We did the doctrine of salvation and on, on how to be saved and, and so on, the, the, the blessings of salvation. And one guy, I remember him, came come, coming afterwards to me and said, he's never understood the gospel and he, he wants to take this Jesus. And that, that, was a great, that was a great testimony. And obviously, I think... No, we we're not there to count the con, you know, people that could get converted, but only God knows. But going from year to year to the same place and seeing the excitement uh, of of delegates coming to the conferences, and and just uh, you know can almost say uh, shine on their faces when they see the books and so on, tells us that we're doing something right, and. Um, you know, I remember a conference, I think it was 2018 as well, Lulongwe, we had about 140 people there. And the one guy came to me, I was a speaker there. He said, I remember he coming to me and said, do you have period and paperbacks? Do you have period and paperbacks? And, and now period and paperbacks is these is, is, is excellent uh, uh, books that you get from Banner of Truth, yeah. from Thomas Watson, John Owen, and all yes. these Puritans. And he was... He was. Uh, he probably have read some of them, and it just basically transformed his life because we know the power of books, mm. and I can testify in my own life how books have really helped me to understand the Bible or text in the Bible, mm. and we see that that's a big part of our ministry as well because we know that God has gifted men in the history of the church to understand the Word of God and teach the Word of God, and although we preach, and that's a big part of the ministry, is also the books. That we sell at discounted values, we also give free books, and how excited people get by, uh, you know, when they see our books, and yes. and because they 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 buy them year by year, and they come the next year because they want more of them, because it mm. has uh, transformed them. Yeah, Joshua, what what are some of the as you now think of of the African continent, as you think of South Africa, because you are the executive director of African pastor conferences in South Africa as you think of of the of South Africa as you think of our neighbors up north what are some of the opportunities for the gospel the kind of low hanging fruit that people can start to pray for um uh, in in partnership with organizations like yourself thanks Mark um, I think that falls within you know, how do we address these issues? Because we've listed what these issues are. Mm. Um, prayer, obviously, but how to pray. Um, 
I would say first and foremost is you know God can still do a, a great work of you know great work of awakening um, we shouldn't stop praying for this kind of movement of God's hand really we, we, we need to be praying this kind of prayer still that God, God can still do this kind of work um, but one of the um, practical you said low hanging fruit I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to be as if um, I am um, pumping for Mukanya Theological College because I'm one of the board members. But um, they're doing something which is, I think, addressing the, some of the issues. A lot of the issues we're raising today, and it's this training um, and theological education is so important. But it, we need theological education that's accessible affordable and appropriate um, because of the nature of um, the financial situation of many pastors we've gone into ministry and also because of that that has a knock-on effect in most of these pastors or individuals cannot spend two three four years at a residential seminary facility so you need a way to deliver theological education that's accessible to everyone keeping the people in their local area but also where they can afford it as well and I think that's going to be the answer going forward and we need prayer in that regard in how we can subsidize afford and provide this kind of theological training because the the old model is not so practical on this continent it that's not to knock those who are doing it please do not misunderstand me um, there's good stuff happening, residential seminaries and so on. We're still going to need those. But I think we need, in addition to that, um, a different model, a different vehicle of delivering theological education and training. So that's one area where we can really pray and target you know, target our prayers in our prayer meeting um, going forward. And another is um, church planting, where we need to be praying for unity amongst churches that have similar theological thinking and where we can hold hands with one another rather than trying to compete with one another in, in coming together and planting and take, take a vigorous approach and um, a, what's what I'm looking for, a really passionate approach to this. And also learning to walk alongside people that are willing. Some of the people we've met at uh, these conferences that are they've changed their model of ministry changed their mind out repented and want to know the right way of doing things and so rather than planting new churches it's, maybe it's, it's a case of coming alongside some of those churches so praying for that those kind of changes as well and praying for organizations like ourselves like APC um, and whenever people think about APC they think there's a there's a like a contingent of staff of about 20 or 30 people and a big warehouse where there's probably 100 people there but the truth is Mark and here we are we're going to take the veil of the wizard um, it's actually just Nico Aunt Gail Cabello and Roxanne as well you can throw her in there as well and myself that's it and um, yet God is doing this amazing work but we need people to hold hands with us and we need your prayers um, concerning our health, concerning scheduling, concerning volunteers, concerning finance um, concerning cooperation 
with um, local organizers in the different countries that we go to. Safety, um, Nico would tell you, you'll, you'll be meeting guys along the road. Like when we were in Cameroon last year, uh, we nearly had to run away from my hotel where um, it was um, Mike Marsden, Cabello, myself. And we saw one, the sister of the woman who owned the hotel packing her bags, packing their cars, and they're ready to run away. And he said to us, don't mind us. We need to get away because, you know, the government may come and fetch us in the middle of the night. So there we were standing in the foyer, <laughs> looking at one another, yeah. thinking, should we, should we be running too? You know? Yeah. And uh, we had these pictures of being working up in the middle of the night with flashlights in our faces, gunpoints. Or you're driving down the road and you've been stopped at checkpoints of machine guns pointing at your head um, while, you know, you could be dragged off into the forest. The, the, so, you know, there's a lot of things to be praying for. Safety is very important. Um, those are things I can think of top of my head. Mm. Um, Nick, I don't know if you want to add to that. I think one of the big things is uh, safety. I mean, we sometimes go to more dangerous areas, especially driving through Botswana. Mm. It's it's very dangerous, especially at night. The the you're going through from Nata to Kazangula border. Yeah. Very, I think I've been to northern Nigeria. Oh, what, what's what's the danger? I've never been to Botswana. Yeah, well, Botswana is the, is the animals. Okay. And potholes, and obviously yeah. when you drive, and then. The lights, especially at night. I don't, you know, I've I've been to northern Nigeria, yeah, and it was quite dangerous. Hey, uh, but, I mean, but, but, let, let's just mm, give this yeah. give this some context. Uh, I think we, you and I spoke about it in the car mm. on the way, yeah, and mm. we might have mentioned it at the mm. beginning of the show. Um, but 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 the the conferences that you guys do are literally all over Africa. Mm. Twenty in South Africa, forty in the rest of the continent, mm. mainly sub-Saharan Africa, but also conferences beyond. Mm. Um, I did ask you, I mean, are you kind of like jetting around the place? Um, mm. And the answer was no. P predominantly you're driving. Uh, and so when you're driving in Botswana, you're not scared of guys with guns. You're scared of giraffes crossing the road. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's exactly. You have different challenges. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I think driving back from a trip in Zambia, we, we usually go to Zambia. If you work in Zambia, when we drive back, yeah. Going through the border takes hours. Border crossings is a huge challenge. Please pray for us concerning border because there are sometimes corrupt officials. Uh, now, I've uh, experienced that um, going into Mozambique. Mozambique Just yeah. the complexities yeah. of being a Christian mm. in a world mm. which is thoroughly corrupt. I mean, Joshua would tell me, I think it was 2018, coming back from Eswatini. Yeah. <laughs> We couldn't get through. Uh, they, they confiscated our books. Coming yeah. back into South Africa, because yeah. there was a problem with the system. That was not a corruption issue. There was a problem with the system. Okay. And uh, we couldn't have our books in Barberton Conference, but we had to spend 10 hours there. We had to go back again 10 hours at the border. and But it can even take longer than that. In Zimbabwe, Cabello, 2019, I think it was 2019, couldn't get, they confiscated our books. Yeah. And uh, so you, you sometimes get that and um, to please pray for us when we travel through you know borders um, um, southern Africa uh, for safety uh, especially on you know many African countries they have they have potholes mm. and then driving at night with people uh, forget it I mean South Africa has potholes <laughs> yeah. I mean welcome to Benoni <laughs> <laughs> this is getting worse although local elections are coming up I'm sure they'll be filled in soon <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, we 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 do conferences. In, we've done in Senegal. Yeah. We're planning to go there. 
Nigeria. Northern Nigeria is some probably the most challenging place we have been to. What are the challenges in Northern Nigeria? Um, it's just it's just uh, is this is this a threat of um, basically kidnapping? Kidnapping, yes, kidnapping. Right. Roxanne and I took my wife the first year, as she she's been. She, the first year she went with me on 10, 12 trips, I think, and we went to northern Nigeria. And on our way, uh, I will not take her again, but uh, to northern Nigeria, uh, the, the guys stopped us and said, and also, so what are you doing here? So where's your escort? So why, why do we need an escort? And they said to us, don't you know they, they, they take people here? <laughs> so no, we do. <laughs> they take people. <laughs> what do you mean? So Roxanne was, and Cabela was quite, uh, especially Roxanne was quite... Um, um, frightened yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's probably in the previous year we wanted to do a conference but then there was an incident of persecution mm. tribal um, uh, warfare some something like that we couldn't do a conference um, hearing, but, but yet, hearing reports like that from northern Mozambique at the moment more northern Mozambique we do we don't go there but we, we've, uh, got, we've got missionary yeah, friends really, in our yeah, church, members of yeah, the church, uh, you yeah, would know them as well, um, yeah, who yeah, were missionaries yeah, in Mozambique. Yeah, and just yeah, the, the the reports yeah, coming out of the north of Mozambique ISIS, are, of yeah. real persecution yeah. is terrifying. Uh, terrifying. No, 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 I mean, northern Nigeria is very dangerous. And yes. we have our largest conferences are in northern Nigeria. We do it once mm. a year. But we have a very good organizer there. He usually tells us, don't come. Okay. 2000, 2019 he said don't come and uh, so so we need wisdom yes. and when we travel especially when we drive protection um, I think of Kenya mm. uh, it's very dangerous to drive in Kenya people are I mean in South Africa I think they're quite reckless but <laughs> I've never experienced something like like in Kenya yeah uh, it's it's uh, the, the chances people take because you don't have the two three lanes yes that you have in South Africa, everything is a single file, okay. both sides. Yeah, so it's very dangerous to to drive and can so protection definitely. You know, mm. if you if you're a listener that's listening into this, mm. I hope that you're hearing opportunities to partner in prayer. Um, uh, guys that are taking the gospel message and guys that are interested in seeing strong churches strengthened and weak churches strengthened on our continent need you to partner with them by praying for protection on the road by praying for protection from uh, corruption um, from from all manner of difficulties including those giraffes crossing roads uh, in uh, in Botswana a couple of listeners have come in uh, Gordon Bull says that Roland Eskenazi and I had the joy of helping uh, Errol set up the first conference in oh. Durban in 2003 oh, wow. we spoke together uh, oh. about it uh, we never imagined that it would grow and have such an impact in so many lives. Mm. Thanks for that uh, comment, Gordon. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know who Liesl Penrith is, um, but she says, with local seminaries, it would be easier to slot these students into practical work as assistants so that they can learn to apply all the knowledge that was learnt. Warren Wiersbe says, a man does not become a winning athlete by listening to lectures, watching movies, reading books, or cheering at the games. He becomes a winning athlete by getting into the game and determining to win and the same should be said uh, for the students just a thought uh Liesl's my wife <laughs> and it's so cool that you're listening to the show this evening uh this evening uh, uh this morning love uh lovely to have you on as well uh very true that 
when Very we true. when we engage with people, we really do want to engage with their heads, but also with their hearts and their hands. You know, the the whole body. Well, one thing that I like about what Nico was saying earlier was just the consistency of going back to the same place and plowing into the same people's lives year after year, and then seeing the growth that happens over time as you engage with people in this way. And surely we must acknowledge that Makanyo, you mentioned Makanyo earlier, um, uh, uh, Joshua, as well as APC, is one part of what the church needs to be doing in order to strengthen the church around us. It's it's one of the mechanisms, one of the wheels that needs to turn. Joshua, I can't believe that we have been talking for nearly two hours. It's crazy, bud. Um, but we have, and we have probably one more opportunity for you to kind of just engage and uh, and speak your heart on the topic of Africa, the opportunities, the challenges, the joys, um, and then the same for for Nico. So, so Joshua, just in closing, your kind of summary thoughts. Hmm. You know, brother, the thing is this: I want us to imagine. 40, 50 years from now and we see a transformed African continent where we've got government leaders that are true leaders, benevolent leaders um, proper infrastructure and all of this sound social structures and what have you and when people ask the question in history that what brought about this amazing transformation that a continent that seemed perpetually on a life support machine was turned around. My prayer, my desire is that they would say it was the preaching of the Word of God. Mm. That the churches, that the Christians, that. Uh, we, listen, I don't want the EU or USAID or, or any political party or system getting the glory. I want the glory to be Christ and Christ alone. That what I wanted to bamboozle historians that that is what and to remind even us Christians you know from I mean looking at us back in Britain because I'm an Anglo-Nigerian so I've got a British part you know where we've become godless and we've lost our heritage sadly and that's the truth um, but to remind people brothers there and to remind people there of the glorious power of the gospel in transforming hearts and minds but also the benefits that comes from that as well and that's my prayer for this continent, to see the glory of Christ over this continent, that it then reverberates to the ends of the earth. To, to Like you, you said at the beginning, um, it started in Africa. Then, I mean, great theologians that we have that um, we, in history that started on this continent. And to come back here and to see that, you know, kind of grow again. And to get away from the old mission model of spreading far and wide, and go to the reform model of going deep down and then building up from that as well. That is something which I am praying for, praying for revival and awakening like we saw in Wales, in the Scottish Islands and other places as well, um, that God would do an, um, such amazing work and of true change, true revival, you know, of the, of, of the unadulterated word of God.
Man, some of the things that you talk about get me excited. Just the idea of <laughs> revival. We seem ripe for it. We need revival. We need the Spirit of God to use the normal means of grace in extraordinary ways in our lifetime. I'm looking forward to seeing something like that. Um, and, and even joyful at, in anticipation uh, of seeing God's hand move. Uh, we need to see God raising up great men of faith. You know, like Augustine of Hippo. Um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, Africans uh, throughout all the ages uh, and more Conrad and Bearways on our continent uh, men who can proclaim with precision and accuracy and power mm. uh, God's word uh, I'm looking forward to that Nico closing thoughts brother yeah man I, I just re- I'm reminded of Jesus's words in Matthew chapter 9 where he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers mm. are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest um, you know and also Jesus's um, great commission go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and that's what Africa needs we need disciples mm. we don't need just converts yes we need disciples yeah. people that are willing to suffer for Christ mm. and the, the gospel won't go forward with a superficial false you know gospel prosperity gospel um, and that's what we need to to work for. Uh, we, we 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 need to pray that God would revive us. Yes, the church in Africa, but then when revival comes, that uh, we will disciple uh, the people that come into into the faith. Because I think that's one of the biggest uh, 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 you know um, problems in Africa is that you get a lot of people going to church. But they are in, uh, entertainment uh, orientated. They're not uh, thinking of denying um, themselves mm. and taking up their crosses. And that's actually um, what we need. Jesus said, "Unless uh, you, you know, you cannot meet my disciple unless you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me." And that uh, that's how I believe how this church in in Africa is going to get strong. So let's keep on praying that God would use different means uh, to 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 mm. and so that we can have true disciples in Africa yes yeah, Nico, uh, the Mark, si- yeah 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 sure Joshua come in so, sorry brother on what Nico just said is so important you know why it, a lot of the struggle that we face on the continent and as churches sadly it's not because we're denying ourselves taking up our cross and following Jesus you know, it's because of the, the natural challenges that we face. But we need a church of disciples where that truth, you know, is is born out in our congregations mm. of self-denial, taking up our crosses and following Jesus. Because that's sometimes conflated. It's sometimes confused. Yeah. I said in a Bible study uh, this past Wednesday, Craig Daidu, uh, evangelist, street preacher, um, was was leading a Bible study on evangelism and he made the same point that Nico just made now is uh, we, we don't just need converts and we do need to go out and preach the gospel that we might see men and women converted but the Great Commission is one of disciple making we need to see people discipled toward the image of Jesus Christ and that becomes the strongest building block of strong churches is, is this discipleship making process as people learn to obey 
all that Christ has commanded and understand um, the world view that God has put has put down in his word and start to apply that within communities within families within their local churches that is when the church gets strong that's when we see the power of God moving and that's something to look forward to both for Benoni as well as Khateng as well as down the road in uh, the land of paradise Valcom <laughs> as well as <laughs> in South Africa and our neighboring countries around us that's what we want to see God glorified um, and his name been made much of guys I, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on today I, I really appreciate it speaking to you Nico from Birchley Baptist Church as well as Joshua from Valcom Baptist Church both of which were representing African pastor conferences you can find out more about African pastors conferences uh, at https colon slash slash www.africanpastorsconferences.org they've got plenty of information including events and workshops and conferences that they will be hosting going forward Uh, you can find out all the information there as well as contact details for both Nico and uh, for Joshua you've been listening to Table Talk with me your host uh, Mark our our prayers really do go out to all the elders and the deacons who are holding the line in local churches as well as to our missionaries who serve in foreign fields we do want to remember and pray for and give much respect to our first responders uh, the police and the firefighters and the paramedics and the correctional service officers who serve so bravely and courageously in our nation We also do want to pray uh, for our leaders, both in the church as well as in government, that God would be glorified in and through their acts of service. Uh, Again, you've been listening to Table Talk. We are going to be going to the news shortly, but before we do, there will be a short musical interlude. We will be listening to Kay Ray and the Bird uh, sing Truth. So long and go with God. Get after it. (laughs) 